Brandon, do you know where you were? Brandon Vogel joins us, by the way. Um, counter-read, counter-read.com. Which we, which we sometimes forget that this is an audio-only experience as well, and we just tend to the video too often. But Brandon has popped onto the screen, joined the podcast. Do you remember where you were, Brandon, when Mike Riley was, was – when you found out Mike Riley was being hired? Uh, yeah, I believe I was just at, at home. Um, I'm trying to remember. I don't think we had an issue going to, to print that Sunday, but you know, it, it became, I was just probably hanging out in my office like, like this. Um, and, um, yeah, (laughs) the news came and I remember talking with our staff and everybody being kind of like, huh, okay. Um, well, I guess we'll get started on this. And, And so we did. Yeah. Bogues, I remember your preview on year one of Riley. We all motored to Chicago for Big Ten Media Days. And I think it was at the McCormick. Radio Row was set up really in a, in a pretty nice spot as you had to physically walk into a lower level of the hotel. So that was cool. And, and Westercamp and... Tommy Armstrong were there as, as representatives and, and grandpa came by with his Worthers and, and was nice to sit down with. And just, just a good dude. Like you can blast the hire, you can blast the record, but he, uh, he wasn't a, a pain in the ass at all to, to be around or cover, which who cares? I mean, that's our job. That being said, he, uh, I don't know, man. It, it was just different. And there was hope because and, – and you dove deep into it, man, uh, with the anatomy of an upset. I remember your feature, your story, uh, BrandonVogelCounterRead.com, on how Riley had these just giant great whale wins in his career and, oh, by the way, put together some pretty impressive and improbable runs. Remember talking to John Robinson with the hire? Remember talking to – uh, Keyshawn Senior. I mean, we we reached out to a lot of folks between print and radio, and it was all right. This could work, and he even delivered a couple of wow wins while in Lincoln. This isn't the Mike Riley hour, but you know that 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 has spawned the where were you when, and it, it, it's fun and fascinating to kind of revisit that during the off season. But your story speaks pretty high volumes of of him getting his team ready for that big moment. Yeah, he did that a couple of times. That story specifically, I'm forgetting what year it was now, but um, focused on the, the upset of USC. And, you know, there was a lot of kind of source source data out there um, about that game. And it was it was a pretty interesting look at it. You know, I remember thinking even then. So, like, the, the hire of Riley, you kind of made sense on paper. You dug into it. You're like, well, you know, it's pretty much a career 500 coach, but that seems pretty good for, for Oregon state. Right. Um, good enough that he got hired there a second time. And, uh, you're like, uh, if you just, you know, if you take Oregon state's natural state, get it to 500. Well, if Nebraska starts out higher than that, uh, you know, that, that was the basic play uh, on paper, I guess. That said, I think looking back at that story now, at Nebraska, the, the expectation is so much higher to start that, like, 
you're expected to knock off to USC. You're expected to be, you know, USC. So mm-hmm. it's just a it's it's a very different mindset. Um, you know, Mike Riley was kind of the penultimate or not penultimate, the ultimate football football guy. Like it was just kind of about about football for him. Which is good work if you can get it. I think, you know, even by 2015, 16, that range, we were seeing this, the the CEO coach kind of come more into into focus. And you know, I was looking, I was looking back at those years for something else that I wrote this week. And really, the the Riley era was you had 2015, which uh, you know ended up going five and seven, six and seven after backdooring into a bowl game that was wasn't wasn't quite as bad as it looked the the next season wasn't quite as good as it looked in fact i'll never forget like their their point totals offense and defense were basically the same in in 2015 and 2016 it's like the ultimate example of schedule and injury lock turnovers lock um and then 2017 this is the thing that jumped out to me it's like they lost a ton off of that 2016 team i was going through and looking at it they were you know really it, a downturn bad. wasn't, yeah, w- wasn't unexpected. That said, four and eight, and you know, I think some of that got overshadowed by by the Tanner Lee year of like, well, maybe this is their kind of guy. And uh, but they were just, they were they were pretty inexperienced. Uh, the, so, you want to, the twenty? You want to talk? You want to talk cool. about a, just an absolute hype show at quarterback? I mean, my God, remember that in guilty, raising both hands. You know what I oh, remember? Tanner, I remember Tanner's going to come in and be uh, an NFL gunslinger, Vogues, and Elijah and Mark. And, <laughs> a lot of arm talent. Yeah. I remember throwing pick sixes. A 99-yard pick six against Northern Illinois my freshman year of college. That one was the moment where I went, oh, <laughs> this, <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> Two pick sixes in that game. Yeah, I know. The, the ninety-nine yarder. The ninety-nine yarder. I think on the opening drive is the one that stands out in my memory as being the real gut punch. But the way the ball comes out of his hand, fellas, he went to a Manning Academy, and Manning's liked it because I mean, the ball Tulane, came out of his hand. Tulane, Tulane got a diamond. Yep. <laughs> well, I'll, t- I'll tell you. I'll tell you what he did do for Nebraska is he kept their draft streak alive for one year. Look at he was Bo. the only guy, only guy drafted in twenty eighteen. Um, from that from that 2017 team is there a chance given that nebraska doesn't have anybody at the combine is there a chance that nebraska gets no one drafted this year too like could that happen i don't think i mean i think that's drafted. you what what's that chris i don't think they get anybody drafted oh wow i haven't really talked about that have we that'd be what two years in a row right because last year there was nobody the streak was snapped yeah yeah. So two years in a row, nobody drafted. Which, I mean, kind of adds up. Um, like, you know, I mentioned looking back at the, the Riley era. I was really looking back at since 2009 at Nebraska. Uh, I wrote a newsletter yesterday that you can still find at counterread.com, of course, about who's, who's Nebraska's guy this year. You know, and, and I kind of I don't know the answer. I just kind of opened it up for discussion. But in doing so, I went back and, and started in 2009 because it was easy. Because it was like Sue. It was like, there you go. That's that's your dude who's just gonna who's just gonna be better than almost anybody other else on the field. And he was pretty much better than everybody. And then you go down to to Prince Abukamara maybe the next year, and you got Randy Gregory and Amir Abdullah and Rex Burkhead in there. Well, you get down day. to you get down to 2018-19. I mean, in 2017, I I, I 
selected Chris Jones, you know, mm. that's kind of what made me, you know, Chris Jones is a really good player. had a nice, pretty nice run in the NFL, but that's not, you're, you're not talking about Dominican Sue at that point. And, no. and Nebraska, you know, had multiple options in those nine, 10, 11, 12 years. In fact, <laughs> that was the other big takeaway. I was like, Nebraska really, I mean, they played in three conference championship games. You just couldn't, you just couldn't get it done. Um, those teams were talented. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I'll say this: like we we this somehow got into the Riley, <laughs> the Mike Riley discussion yeah. higher. But think about the the last two decades of changes and why they're made. And you had two or three guys every year, right? They get developed into, or they end up being either on the lines of scrimmage or a linebacker. Somebody's getting drafted. Someone's going to the league. And during the Osborne era, you you just stockpiled. You had a first, second, or third round guy. You had his backup two years later <laughs> go, specifically the run of defensive end slash outside linebackers. You were gold for a first round pick for two decades. And you had, you know, at least a third round pick, i.e. a Will Shields, Hall of Famer, go on the offensive line. Uh, you fast forward to Callahan. He was brought in to beef up recruiting. Well, he did. I mean, he brought in some really high-level dudes. Bo got a hold of them, developed them, and they were incredible. Between Prince, right? Bill Bush brought in Prince. Sue was John Blake. And then I believe it was Carl who got Levante, right? And then... You look at even the aftermath of that run where you get him, you go get Amir, you go get Randy Gregory, you go get Vincent Valentine, you go get Malik Collins. I mean, those are all second through third round guys. And even through the draft streak, it was Kavanaugh that found three of Nebraska's offensive linemen guys that ended up getting drafted, and some of them are still in the league. Who are the South? Who's the South Dakota kid? Forgive me. Farniak and then Hymas was a fifth round guy for San Diego, but then it just falls off the table. Yeah, it does. Minus minus Taylor Britt and Jurgens in the second yeah. round. Cam was yeah. awesome. Yeah, you're yeah. good call. And, and I mean, and you know, he was committed to Riley for a long time. Taylor Britt was like the biggest, I think, recruiting win um, in terms of discovering a guy and developing him um, of of the Frost era for sure and i mean some of those guys are still around so the book's not entirely written on that but yeah i mean around 20 2015 i i selected malik collins as as nebraska's guy the next year you got nathan gary good mm-hmm. player but you know is he is he the guy who's like keeping opposing big 10 coaches up at night probably not and then it it sort of it it tails off from there well, a question I think you have to ask yourself in terms of Matt Rule's rebuild of Nebraska is, is at what point does Matt Rule have a potential first-round guy that is on his, I mean, recruiting class? I mean, yes, you have one in the recruiting class, and Ryle, a potential first-round guy, but can you develop those guys? That's what he made his money on, both Baylor and Temple, was taking guys, the, the three stars, the unheralded guys, and turning him into a guy that was a day-two draft pick, a day-one draft pick in the NFL draft. And I think that's a question of, of health of the Nebraska football program of at what point do they get a guy that could be first or second round? And do they have any on the current roster? 
That, yeah, I think that's the question um, for, for 2024. And it's, it, they don't, you know, Randy Gregory, when he arrived at Nebraska from, from junior college and obviously started his career at Purdue, like you, you just, you could look at him and be like, he showed up and you're like, if, thing, if he's as good as advertised, he's, you know, first, second, third round pick. And I think he ended up going a little bit lower than that, if I remember. But um, they don't, this Nebraska roster, I don't think has those, those kind of guys where you're just like, he comes in other than maybe uh, uh, you would expect, you mentioned Riola, um, Elijah, that's, that's correct. I mean, in terms of a five-star quarterback, you've got a pretty high expectation, but other than that, like they're going to have to make their second and third round picks. And, um, we'll see. It's, it, I mean, I think they, I think they have a good potential. I think the trend line is up here. But you're still waiting for that kind of development and breakout season for for some guys. Is there anybody that jumps out right now? Because um, you're right, there there isn't that can't miss. Like Gregory just had, you know, he was just built like very few people are. He was his athleticism was off the charts for that size, like a freak, right? Mm-hmm. Is is that sort of what we're talking about? Is that Nebraska maybe lacks the freak? You know, like Sue was a freak of nature strength-wise, endurance-wise. Nebraska kind of lacks that. Like a lot of good players, but maybe not that. I think you've got freakish strength with the polar bear. I mean, I'm 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 figured I'm I'm fired up to see what he can play at at two eighty-five, two ninety. His say he stays at his wrestling rate, okay. And has that endurance, say, and, and has some help where he's not playing 50, 60 snaps at nose guard. That's tiring. <laughs> I mean, I th- I'm excited. I think, you know, Vogue's your, your story, counterread.com with Brandon Vogel, is going to be about who's the guy, right? And that, that guy translates to a draft pick just to reset it for our friends in the stream. I think, um, Nebraska has some guys, and I think they've identified some talent. And the thing is, you're going to get that talent developed. You've gotten it developed under under rule. So even the guys they're recruiting now, we don't know. It, it, they could start churning out NFL guys, and your two candidates are, are Robinson and uh, Polar Bear. And, and Schmitty, you and I talked off the air after we had Braden on on Thursday about this mm-hmm. topic, like who are some guys that – could have that potential because I brought up, you know what, the guy who is the best player on the team at the end of spring football might not be the guy who's the best player on the team come midseason next year. And a couple guys that sprung to mind of being those potential breakout candidates. Deshaun Singleton was one that came up. He's got he's, N- he's NFL, money. NFL he's a good size player. and athleticism on the back end. I think he's got potential there. You look at Fedoni or Carter Nelson offensively as being freaks on the offensive side of the mm-hmm. football. Dowdell, we haven't seen him in a Husker uniform just yet, but he's a guy. We saw the high school film. His his size to speed ratio is somewhat freakish. Can he turn it into being a Big Ten running back? Time that remains to be seen. But you have candidates on each side of the ball. I would I would add Tommy Hill to that list and, as well. Let me add one more. Um, Jalen Lloyd. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think of those that group. I would agree with you. I think. Robinson and Huttmacher are probably at the top of your list in particular. I think, I think Nash has a chance to play himself way up draft boards this season. Um, you know, Deshaun Singleton, Tommy Hill, very similar long corner. Um, 
you know, going through, going through some of that draft stuff, uh, I had kind of forgotten that Stanley Jean Baptiste out of nowhere. I think second round, dude. Second round was he second round? I thought it was third. To, the, to this, uh, you went to the Saints, I think. Yeah, that was the guy who played played like what fourteen games of, of cornerback in his right. in his career at that point. Son, we we know you have problems with catching the ball consistently, but you're six three and you're. Wingspan is insane, and you can run. Go, go, change the Ohio State game with an interception. <laughs> no, no. St- Stanley was just a freak. I mean, it was it was impressive. I'm anxious to see, and this goes back to the um, the chasing three documentary guys. Not we, we talk about polar bear and and how driven that dude is and that's really cool to see what he's doing to see it pay off because polar bear could have been you know what could have been with that those players where the the iowas the wisconsin's and nebraska's are chasing to 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 land him you want to get a south dakota kid frost and his staff put the kitchen sink into that recruitment and it's it's working out you've got a season left but with ty robinson I mean, he gets that he's had some splashes and some flashes. He wants to go wreck games now. And if you're patient, by year five, year six, year four, that's when guys build up to, to being able to, to be have that Sioux senior season. And I think the, the, the patience and the watering, the development's super key. It, it'd be nice to have a guy kill it in year two and in reality on the lines of scrimmage in, in the Big Ten. Yeah, it's really tough to do in a in a conference like the Big Ten. I mean, in terms of guys that that could develop into those day one, day two guys, I would. Uh, I think Nebraska has one in Princewell as as well. Yeah. Um, he, he's but you know you're you're in year two, so we'll see. I mean, given how much he played as a true freshman, um, certainly an indicator of his ability and his physical readiness. Uh, that might be a pretty good uh, a pretty good jump candidate in in year two as well. Vogues, uh, before we get you out, how you feeling about Nebraska basketball? Let's go there for just a moment. A uh, Thursday missed opportunity, as we talked earlier in the week. Uh, we we know that the opportunity was there for for Nebraska. I just didn't like some of their choices, and and they didn't play with a lack of effort. They didn't give us a Maryland performance, but from just a basketball IQ standpoint, they just they just kind of settled for some three point garbage. And I know that's part of their offense, but. They just they just didn't have it. They they just reverted back to some old bad habits. Yeah, I mean they they shot pretty well from three um, in in that game. Like I'd say the first thirty minutes, like you know, I thought it was a pretty encouraging result for Nebraska. You know, they they had a lead in the first half, lost it, but kind of hung around. I think I, I was most disappointed defensively. Um, they just couldn't. Ohio State, you know, kind of got that six, seven ish point lead there. And, and Nebraska would trim it to two, but when it came time to get a stop, they just never quite, never quite did it. Or when they did, it usually, it seemed like they pressed a little bit then on the offensive end with the chance to, to get even or, or take a lead. So 
a little bit just of an uneven performance, but it wasn't one that I, I left that discouraged about. So uh, you got yep. one more one more home game. I think that's that's the one with the team you already lost to 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 kind of let's let's officially punch this ticket, even though it won't quite be official. I mean, Nebraska at this point is is in. That mm-hmm. said, uh, I wouldn't want to end on a three game losing streak and, and test and test <laughs> the uh, the the numbers and the models that, uh, with where they have Nebraska at this point. It, it's just amazing that it feels like every single time this team has a chance to put the Husker PTSD to bed, they allow it to come right back to the forefront. Like every single time you have that, like man, if they get this win, it's the proof that this team things is will be okay. Different. Things will be okay. As soon as that game rolls around, Nebraska finds a way to lose it. It feels like. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I, I, I think that's kind of their their true state. Like that's the difference between being pretty good and, and really good. And Nebraska's pretty good. And, and I, you know, I, we'll we'll see, we'll see. Because uh, every game feels a little bit like, are you gonna get, are you gonna get the A game, you get the B game, the C game, or or something even worse? Um, good teams, really good teams. You, you have a little bit more sense of what you're gonna get. Vogues, let, Vogues, let's talk uh, Big Ten expansion. I assume that the league will get to, to 20 or 24 here by the time this 14 team is settled, and maybe that 14 turns into 16. Who knows? But the NFL model is the blueprint they seem to be following with uh, uh, four divisions in the Big Ten. You've got your conference semis for the right to go on to the Super Bowl your AFC, NFC, between two of your divisions. Who do you add? And I know you're the guy that, that fights for the G5 schools. You're also very um, practical, knowing that <laughs> things are, are, are headed this way. And so give me some, some additions you'd like or fits you think – could be a reality and you can go G five. You can go big 12. You can even go ACC. I don't think the, the big 10 and the sec will allow one another to try and, and, and have uh, a poaching contest for one true conference power. I think they'll work together. And is kind of the wild card based on the, the, BS smoke earlier this week about them wanting out. <laughs> so that's what the Big Ten SEC partnership is about. They're just going <clears> to <throat> trade schools. And like, we'll give uh-huh. you a Texas A&M and a Missouri. Um, They're the neighborhood swingers in college football. Oh. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're – I know that Texas A&M really hates Texas, but can you really flee the Longhorns again <laughs> and, and have any pride left? Like, seriously. Um I, I know you enjoyed your time. You're like, hey, look at us. We made it to the SEC. Enjoy your Big 12, Texas. And, well, the SEC was like, yeah, they're still Texas. So we'll take that. And we just went to the football playoff, and now we're coming to your neighborhood. Yep. Sorry <laughs> sorry if that if that sucks for you, but it, it is what it is. I definitely wouldn't jump to the Big Ten. I mean, I had this penciled out a couple of weeks ago, and now I've forgotten. Like, obviously, you take Notre Dame if you can get them, um, which – Good luck with that, I guess. Like, if, if if Notre Dame hasn't jumped at this point, like, they're basically going to have to be forced to uh, before they do it voluntarily. And I don't know what that 
what that takes. Um, does <laughs> in our in our new got to be playoff path, doesn't it? Yeah, NFL white future. Like, does does academic prestige still matter to the to the Big Ten? Like, AAU will. Does like so? I mean, I think the Big Ten, and I think it actually would be an interesting fit. Like, I think the Big Ten would love to have Virginia. Um, we know, like back when Rutgers Maryland happened, there was some interesting in Georgia Tech. Um, I mean, I don't know if there's Big Twelve teams that that make a ton of sense other than I well, love Colorado and Kansas. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, eventually, at this point, like I've, I've given up hope that this isn't this isn't coming. So now I think I'm just like, can we just get big enough to the point where? effectively the big 10 has to have a big eight division like that's what i'm thinking let's just do that <laughs> so i don't know this 14 team playoff thing like the initial report came from espn uh heather denich and, and pete tamel are both very good well-sourced reporters that said espn has the biggest stake in this future playoff they've already agreed to televise it through 2026 for almost $8 billion. So the news that that they're considering this, it was a test balloon. It was like, let's, let's get this out and we'll see how people react to it. Probably going to do it anyway, but let's at least see uh, how people feel about this. And I don't feel great about it, but I don't matter. Well, you you always matter folks, but no, if if you're going to have this big 10 Midwest division, Give me Iowa, give me Kansas, give me Colorado. Uh, help me keep counting, fellas, here. Do you want Wisconsin? Do you want Minnesota? Yeah. In the division? Right. Yeah, yeah. North, Northwestern. You go six for you have your, your 24-team league. Hmm. That'd be Four fun. Divisions. And, well, and if you're going to, you know, and then you're going to be able to play – your West Coast schools, you'll still get a game with Oregon. You'll still get Penn State. You'll still get Ohio State. Here's the question. I think, honestly, it makes more sense both geographically and Nebraska is not really a traditional rivalry with anybody that you laid out aside from Iowa to, to put Nebraska in a potential West Coast division. I think it might make a little bit more sense. But Well, uh, give me – yeah, put them in the West Coast, but give me – if you get Notre Dame and give me Kansas, give me Colorado – I mean, that'd be kick-ass every year. USC, UCLA, Nebraska, Oregon, Washington, Notre Dame makes sense as a division in my book. Whoa. Whoa. That that came out of nowhere, kind of, Elijah. What are you talking about? Like, we're we're over here talking about Kansas and Wisconsin and Minnesota, then you go UCLA, USC. As as it currently stands. And and Gary joins all of a sudden. Gary's reaching for the wild. He's reaching for the wild turkey already. I mean, compared to everybody else in the Big Ten, Hold on, real quick for folks yeah. that can't see it right now. That on the on the stream, Gary joins and within the first second or two, just shaking his head right away at Elijah's suggestion. I would just like to say, I mean, let co- you tell you something. Compared to everybody else in the Big Ten, Nebraska has more history with schools yeah. like USC, UCLA, Washington. Maybe not Oregon, but you can throw Oregon in there as well. I think that in terms of the helmet matchups you'd get, throw Nebraska in a West Coast division, the travel would suck, and I'm not sure Husker fans would love it, but. It's about TV ratings at the end of the day, and I think Nebraska makes sense from that perspective. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just the the guy shouting at the clouds here, but I think it'd yeah. be fun. Yeah, I mean we don't coast, right? That's that's. <laughs> I promise that's there's no whiskey thing. in my coffee this morning. I promise. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Huh. Fair enough. 
Fair enough. So divisions-wise, Gary, um, that's what we're talking about. Is you know the super the super leagues get together. Now we break into divisions. Who's in Nebraska's division? And are we going three eight teamers? Or are we going four six teamers? Four six teamers. I think you got to go four six teamers. Mm-hmm. I mean, when the when the SEC and the Big Ten are together and they've merged because it's all about generating revenue for their schools. Uh, I think you have to go four. Uh, Six-team divisions. I think that'd be the way to go. I think you go three eight-teamers just to make it really weird when it comes like championship time, and people are like, "Well, which one? Which division?" I think it'd be a lot of fun. Just a thought. A three-team Big Ten playoff. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Just why not? G- Gary, you're muted. We lost Gary. We all love the game of college football. But God dang, we do a terrible job in the offseason with college football. Yeah. How so? What do you mean? What you I mean? Is this fun? Talking about the <laughs> division? Expansion. Expansion. We, we, we like 12. Now, you know this, Mark, because you've been told this before in your business, in your personal life. Bigger is not always better. Okay. <laughs> so sometimes when you get to 12, why do you got to expand to 14? I mean, I know where we're going here. The the SEC and the Big Ten, again, they want to generate as much revenue for their schools as possible, and they're going to find every avenue to do that. I mean, you can't blame them because that's, at the end of the day, that's what they're in for. Mm -hmm. But there's some point where, and and, and Brandon and I have talked about this on my show, there's some point where the college football fan says enough is enough. Even if we get these great matchups and the two best leagues that have the two, uh, the, the teams that have the most money, at some point we say enough is enough. And then the bottom falls out. But as long as the TV companies are on board with it and they're like, oh, yeah, Big Ten, SEC, I want more and more, the rest of college football is screwed, in my opinion. At some point, you jump the shark. You, you get you, – you, at some point, you screw it up. You keep tweaking. You need to let it rest and, and just let it play out. Vogues, you're uh, awesome for giving us some overtime. What's coming up with Counter Reed? I love your uh, your story on who's the guy uh, with when it comes to Nebraska football in reference to, you know, the next draft pick, well played. Tell folks how to subscribe and what you do with Counter Read. Yeah, you can find us at counterread.com and sign up there. There's a free subscription option or a paid subscription option. Uh, paid subscribers get two, two exclusive newsletters a week. Uh, that's for myself and Aaron Sorensen. And after asking the question, um, and thank you guys for jumping in the discussion uh, of who's the guy, probably got to answer that next week. So <laughs> do that, and uh, I think uh, I think we'll probably dip back in with with basketball a little bit later in the week. No, that'll be fun, folks. Have a good weekend. All right, bud. All right, thanks, guys. There he is. All right, Brandon Vogel with this counter read.